0: The Liberals voted down a motion to have CBC staff testify on its coverage of the Israel-Hamas war.
1: Members of Alberta's United Conservative Party are set to wade into pronoun politics at their upcoming convention.
0: The Parliamentary Budget Officer projects the Liberal government's deficit will reach $46.5 billion with stagnant economic growth. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, October 18th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia.
1: And I'm Lindsay Shepard.
0: We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. A motion to call several CBC employees before the Standing Committee on Public Accounts to explain a leaked internal email regarding their coverage of the Hamas-Israel conflict was voted down by the Liberal NDP coalition on Tuesday. Conservative deputy leader Melissa Lantzman moved a motion to summon members of the CBC to speak before the committee to explain their actions after a leaked email revealed that the broadcaster was telling its employees not to use the word terrorist when referring to Hamas militants.
2: The Canadian government recognizes uh, Hamas as a terrorist organization, and rightfully should, and if you've read what the Canadian government says about that organization, you would quite understand why. So, given that Hamas has been declared a terrorist organization uh, by the government of Canada since uh, 2002, and that the horrific Hamas terrorist attacks against Israel left thousands of innocent people dead and injured, and that an email directive was sent from the director of journalistic uh, standards of CBC News, Mr. George Achi, to all employees of CBC News, um, directing them to downplay the coverage of the horrific, sadistic violence perpetrated by Hamas against innocent people. People in Israel by not referring to the attackers as terrorists and falsely claiming that Gaza continued to be under occupation after Israel had pulled out in 2005. And given that the CBC receives, you know, $1.4 billion in public funding through taxpayer dollars annually, and that this committee has a mandate to review um, government expenditure, I believe that the committee should, uh, A, denounce Mr. Achi's comments and report to the House, uh, summon the president of CBC, Catherine Tate to appear for two hours by herself. Uh, Within seven days of this motion, hopefully being adopted by the Liberals and the NDP on this committee, summon the director of journalistic standards, um, Mr. George and invite, of course, the CBC ombudsman, Mr. uh, Jack Nagler, uh, to appear uh, for a minimum of two hours to address uh, the CBC's position on uh, journalistic standards and practices.
0: An internal email by CBC's director of journalistic standards and public trust, George Aki, Told CBC journalists not to refer to anyone as terrorists when reporting on the conflict. Hamas has been designated as a terrorist organization by the Canadian government since 2002. Lanceman and Conservative MP Rachel Thomas wanted to summon Aki for two hours of questioning before the committee, alongside CBC President Catherine Tate and CBC Ombudsman Jack Nagler to explain the leaked email and to defend their position regarding their reporting on the conflict. The motion was ultimately voted down by the Liberal NDP coalition and supported by the Bloc Québécois. Those voting against argued that CBC should remain independent from government pressure when it comes to the angles they take on their reporting. For a government that is so concerned with regulating misinformation, disinformation, and what it calls online hate speech, it's quite curious that one of the biggest media platforms in this country that receives over a billion dollars in taxpayer funding seems to be free from the scrutiny that Parliament and House of Commons provides. I'd like to take listeners down a trip On memory lane here a little bit because if you recall about over a year ago a CBC host made a totally unsubstantiated claim about freedom convoy protesters she implied that somehow Russia the Russian government Vladimir Putin was behind the freedom convoy now we know that to be false And in fact, CBC ombudsman Jack Nagler actually investigated this and found the CBC to err and be on the wrong side of its own code of journalistic ethics. So it's funny that they're mincing words when it comes to a internationally designated terrorist group, and by that I mean Hamas. But when it's Canadians out in Ottawa expressing their dissatisfaction with the Liberal government, they indiscriminately, we'll call them, you know, Russia-backed without any proof. So, Lindsay, if the CBC is refusing to accept reality and call Hamas what it is, a terrorist organization, should Canadians trust CBC coverage when it comes to the Israel-Hamas war?
1: Well, Cosmin, it's interesting to see the contrast between Canada and Britain, because in Canada, we had the situation of the CBC's leaked memo and george Achi, who was the editor in that area was telling the journalists to not use the term terrorist um, and to my knowledge he has not yet made a public statement addressing the leaked emails and the leaked memos whereas the bbc um, which is the public broadcaster in britain John Simpson, the world affairs editor, he released a public statement, a public article titled why BBC doesn't call Hamas militants terrorists. So he was very upfront about the position and wrote quite a bit about it. But in both cases, there's this idea that terrorism is a loaded word. And there are a lot of moral implications to using the word terrorism and terrorist, which frankly is new to me. I always thought of terrorist or terrorism is a pretty factual term. So, uh, for me, this is kind of a new debate that's being risen right now. And it does make you wonder, how come the Canadian government and these world governments will call Hamas terrorists, but news outlets won't? It, it really makes you think, well, where's the disconnect? Are, are they not terrorists? What's going on here? Members of Alberta's United Conservative Party are set to wade into pronoun politics at their upcoming convention. Among the resolutions to be debated at next month's UCP AGM is a policy on whether parents should have to consent for their children to change their gender and pronouns at school. The UCP AGM will take place in Calgary November 3rd and 4th, its first convention since Premier Daniel Smith was elected. Members will debate 30 policy proposals. One of the most contentious topics on the agenda is a resolution surrounding gender pronouns in schools, which has sparked intense discussions within and outside the party. The pronoun resolution proposed by the Edmonton West Henday UCP constituency suggests that teachers, schools, and school boards should require written consent from parents or guardians for children under the age of 16 to use a different name or pronoun at school. The policy states, quote, parents, not schools, are the legal guardians of their children. Schools should not be in the business of going behind parents' backs, the policy says. This proposal aligns with similar rules already implemented in Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, and Manitoba. Party policy resolutions are non-binding, meaning the UCB government would not be required to act on the policy if it passes. Smith was non-committal on the policy, but said her caucus is looking into it. Cosman, are you surprised that Smith hasn't already followed in the footsteps of Saskatchewan and New Brunswick to implement a parental rights policy?
0: I think it's curious for Alberta, considering the fact that most people see Alberta as one of the most naturally conservative provinces in Canada. But I would add that Smith, Premier Smith, is in a completely different position here than Premier Moe and Premier Higgs in New Brunswick. The major difference is that Smith is quite early on in her tenure as the Premier, whereas both Moe and Higgs have been in their position since 2018, and I don't think the competition in terms of the electoral threat the opposition poses is as big in those provinces as it is in Alberta with the NDP. Smith is definitely playing it carefully, but she is also facing a tremendous amount of pressure from the grassroots in the UCP. I know that Take Back Alberta, a group that seeks to mobilize support for policies such as opposition to gender ideology in schools is leading the charge when it comes to some of these policy propositions. With that said, I think Smith will have to address this head-on to avoid what happened to former Premier Jason Kenney and have the party essentially turn its back on the current Premier and create an internal conflict, which would ultimately not be to the benefit of Albertans, especially at a time when energy policy seems to dominate discussion within that province. So Smith needs to make herself clear. She needs to take a stand. But I also suspect that she is kind of waiting to see uh, what comes of Saskatchewan and New Brunswick's course when it comes to fighting some of the gender ideology we see being spread throughout our public education system. The Liberal government's budget deficit for 2023 and 2024 is expected to reach a whopping $46.5 billion, according to the latest report from the Parliamentary Budget Officer. The figure is $6.4 billion higher than the projection announced by Ottawa when it presented this year's budget in April. The PBO attributes the increase to new spending measures announced by the federal government since then, which amount to $28.6 billion over six years. The measures include a $13 billion investment for a Volkswagen electric vehicle plant, $16 billion for a Stellantis electric vehicle battery plant, and the GST rental rebate, which went out earlier this year. According to the PBO, the Canadian government will experience zero growth in the second half of 2023 as the Bank of Canada maintains high interest rates to curb inflation. Consumer spending is projected to remain weak until mid-2024, while real GDP is expected to contract by 0.2% this year. The PBO projects that the federal debt to GDP ratio will rise to 42.6% in 2023 and 2024 up from 40.9% in 2022 and 2023. To me, it's astounding that the federal government continues to spend over budget after the pandemic is essentially over. Here we have billions of dollars in corporate welfare for climate change fads on top of handouts to Canadians to allegedly, you know, cover grocery expenses. But the, you know, small payments that people receive have already been spent. I I, I doubt uh, at the bottom line of the average family's budget, they made a significant difference. But it was a huge bill on taxpayers, You would expect that with the pandemic over, these handouts would end, but it seems that the liberal government wants them to continue. Every season now has a different uh, government paycheck that you can collect. When will this end, Lindsay? When will we see some fiscal common sense return to parliament?
1: Right. Well, that's where the problem is. Firstly, once you get people accustomed to having certain entitlements... They feel entitled to their entitlements, as the David Dingwall saying goes. So uh, people who get monthly handouts or whatever it is, a quarterly handout, are not going to be so eager to elect a government that's going to take them away. And then on the other hand, the more money they print to give this corporate welfare and all that, the more the currency is devalued.
0: It's important to also add the fact that the Bank of Canada governor admitted that the government kept pandemic spending and stimulus measures going on for far too long, and in turn, they contributed to our current inflationary problems. So why is it that we're continuing the spending, these stimulus uh, programs, we're dishing out money left and right, when we know that it, it, it isn't conducive to a productive economy? When people get money for free, quote unquote, in fact, they are just receiving a small portion of their taxes back, they are disincentivized from going back to work, from being productive, from providing actual real stimulus to the economy, which is in the form of purchasing goods and services and circulating money. This philosophy that turning on the taps will somehow magically fix the economy and the budget will balance itself, as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau so infamously once said, it is really reaching its end point. And we have to nail that coffin up quickly and come back to our senses and realize that The federal budget isn't very different from the average person's pocketbook. There are earnings and there are debts, and those debts have mounted to over a trillion dollars for this country, and not only are we paying for it, but future successive generations will also have to pay for that debt nobody wants to hear this but we are in for a tough time and before it gets any worse and the problem becomes uncontrollable and we have runaway inflation god forbid something needs to be done the books need to get put into order That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.